Would you please join me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Bless us, Lord, in this refreshing time together in your word. Knit us together as people of the story of salvation of Jesus. And bless us with a a sense of the generosity of your grace and of your forgiveness that links us together as children of the Almighty. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Just got to get dialed in and then I'm good to go. It's amazing how things uh, work and, and you get up and get going and you get it figured out. And because I have a Mac, I couldn't get on the hard drive that I was supposed to get on. And guess what? It all works out just great. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Struggle with the text today. I struggle with it because I don't like to think of myself as a judgmental person. And there's people that the moment you say to them you're a Christian, they jump to the the next lily pad that says, well, then you must be judgmental. As a matter of fact, two of the marks of what non-Christians say the church is about are here in Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 6, when he speaks of hypocrisy and judgmentalism. They're kind of like twisted cousins of, of one another. About 10 years ago, the Barna Institute did a, a, a survey of 25,000 young people. And there were five marks of what people kind of outside of the church were looking at people inside of the church. And there were five pieces that they came up with. Homophobic, judgmental, hypocritical, evangelistic in a negative sense, meaning that uh, I can, uh, if, 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 if I win Pat for Christ, then... She's an object to me to win to Christ rather than my friend. So, in essence, Christians use people. And the last thing, of course, was politically, politically inclined. So it was fascinating for me to reread some of that this week and think about some of the presuppositions I hold in my mind and, and how I don't want to be referred to as judgmental, and yet there's times where I have to make judgments. This is how it's going to be. This is my value system. This is how I see the world. This is who I am and my identity. And then the words of Jesus here, judge not lest you also shall be judged. Did you read that with me? Those two verses, verses 37 and 38 of Luke chapter 6, we read together. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given you. A good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you now is that one of those ones where you go yes i'm so excited because i'm the most gracious loving generous forgiving person in the whole world and if everybody's going to get paid back for what they do it's going to be me I'm going to have two donuts after church. I'm going to have Starbucks. My life is grand. Everything's good. I'm a better person. Or are you one of those persons that kind of goes back in your life and you go, oh, oh. This week I was judgmental. This week I was condemning. This week I didn't forgive. I can't let this go. A little bit of a scrooge with my life. And think your basic Christian person kind of struggles reading this because it's if-then statements, right? 
If you judge, then you will be judged. If you don't condemn, you won't forgive and you'll be forgiven. It all makes it kind of up in the air. Maybe that's where Jesus was going, to afflict comfortable people in this text. To look at people who thought they had their lives all together and say, it's a little more tricky, it's a little less put together than what what you thought. I'd like to spend some time in these two verses today. Do not judge, do not condemn, forgive, and be generous. Four themes from these two verses that I think challenge each and every one of us to think about how we connect to people in the world and how we share Christ. And as we begin a fall, a new season of new engagements and new relationships, what a powerful opportunity it is to reset some of the relationships that we have in our lives. Now, I'm preaching at 11 o'clock, and I've got the the third graders or fourth graders in there, and they're not going to recognize this. Now, the 8 o'clock people recognize this and I wonder if you recognize this as well how many people recognize (laughs) ain't it good to be home you know (laughs) gray hair bald on top and I remember yeah isn't that special remember that I remember the 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 church lady Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live taking the magnetic letters and from Santa Claus putting Satan Claus on the screen at Saturday Night Live. There was something kind of funny about the church lady, and whenever there's some sort of satire, that it, there, there's humor to it because there's some truth to it. There, there's a little bit of reality to what's there. And so we see maybe in Dana Carvey's church lady, maybe a little bit of ourselves or our church or how Christians are portrayed in, in culture. But I wanted to pull this down for what it is to be judgmental. Because there's a difference in offering judgment and being a judgmental person. Judgmental. To point out something wrong in someone else's life by making the person feel put down, excluded, and marginalized. Judgmental behavior is fueled by self-righteousness and seeking to make our own life look better by comparing to the lives of another person. I might not have my life all together, but boy, I'm a whole lot better than Pat. (laughs) Right? And if you think Pat's got trouble, Jenny here is, yeah. At least me and you can take comfort in the reality that, yeah, that's what I'm, now you're, yeah, you're right. That's kind of how that works, right? We never, commend, we never compare up. You always compare down. Well, at least I'm not as bad as that person. So we want to make ourselves look better by comparing ourselves to other people. And that's, on the one hand, right, that's a sin. But on the other hand, we're people who struggle with that. I know I do. If everyone was just as dedicated and committed as I was, if everyone just saw things the way I saw them, if everything just understood and and, and laid their lives out the way I would, wouldn't we all be better? And that's really judgmental on my part. What does judgmentalism look like? What What does it mean? Well, it means that you may put the wrong verdict on a person or situation. You look at that person and immediately you jump to the conclusion of, wow, a person comes into church here, they're tatted up, they got the sleeves, they got the thing going on, and all of a sudden there's this little voice inside of us that says, 
Huh. Hmm. I wonder what the deal is with them, because they're not quite as clean as, you know, me. The laugh, I saw a lady coming uh, with two little kids in tow with tattoos all up and down. I thought, good for you. But sometimes being judgmental means we jump to the wrong verdict on a person or a situation instead of let it play, play out. It also means that sometimes there's wrong timing for that and we struggle with that. I gotta say what I gotta say and I gotta say it now. This is wrong and I need to address this wrong now. I've got parents whose children have kind of left the faith and they say, but, but we only have them for 15 minutes at Thanksgiving and if I don't drill them then, I'll never be able to drill them. Dear Lord, thank you for the turkey. Thank you for the bread. If we don't eat soon, we'll all be dead. Amen. <laughs> How come you don't confess Christ? Hey, there's 20 of us here. Relax. Right? Sometimes being judgmental means we're on a different, you know, we're on our timetable and someone else may be on a different one. And we afflict them with our timing. Or maybe there's a wrong motivation. Maybe there's something selfish inside of us that's just screaming. I want to be right. I want to be heard. I want to have it all together. I want to be the person on this. I want them to be like me. And sometimes that motivation leads to making judgmental comments. Then there's the whole thing of playing favorites. And that's really tough. Two people with similar lives and one finds favor and the other finds judgment. We're upset with the homosexual person until our son comes back with his boyfriend. And we find a way to love this one while we ostracize this one. And that judgment, playing favorites, a painful, painful piece of life and leads people who criticize the church and criticize us as Christians. I, I, I think sometimes they got to nod and say, you're so down on this, but you're okay with this. How come this says favor and this one doesn't? Isn't that hypocritical? And we go, wait a minute. Some of that sits in our hearts. And it's super hard to read this text. We do not have a theology of glory where we look and say, I'm perfect and I'm wonderful and I got it all together. Rather, we have a theology that says, I need God and I need Jesus in my life. And without him, I suffer the judgment of God. As God looks down perfectly from the throne of heaven and says, come on, man. Connect to God, grow together share Christ. Connect to God, grow together, share Christ. Can you say that with me? Connect to God, grow together, share Christ. That's our discipleship pathway at St. John's. It's what we're kind of about. It's the how of growing in your faith. Connect to God, grow together, share Christ. We follow Jesus. It was Jesus who called Peter and the disciples. He said, you can do whatever you want, but I'm inviting you to follow me. And they rose up and followed Jesus. It was that Jesus who said to, to the people who he loved, he didn't say, hey, it's all going to be easy and I got it all figured out. And here's a matrix of how to live your life. He said, pick up your cross every day and follow after me and you're going to make it. And it ain't going to be easy, but we're going to live under the shadow of this cross. 
And the cross is, is, is what gives meaning to your life. It's where God took the judgment of the world and the judgment that should be upon us and put it on Jesus. And God didn't look from the cross with this yoke of judgment around his son's neck and say, well, you know what, I'm going to take that off and I'm going to redistribute that guilt and judgment upon you. Rather, at the end of that day, Jesus, with his last breath, screamed from that cross, it is finished. And the judgment that was put on him is removed from us. And we are set free from the judgment of God. So that when God looks with us, tats or no tats, goofy hair or not goofy hair, or no hair, he beholds us with his love. And when we follow Jesus, we look through that same lens. See ourselves as children of God. And we see others as beautiful, marvelous, redeemed creation of, creations of Jesus. And that's where we start. We follow Jesus. And we live and move in the way of forgiveness. Condemn and you will be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It seems to me from that text it's speaking much more of temporal things than eternal things. So Pat and I can connect in forgiveness. I love you dearly. I've known you for 30 years. Thank you. Absolutely. Are you kidding? I love you dearly, buddy. It's community right there, right? Love keeps no record of wrongs we talked about this summer. Love forgives and lets go. The essence of forgiveness is release of responsibility. I'm not going to hold on to this and let it fester in my soul because God has taken care of this for me. I'm going to be a person of forgiveness as well. Forgive and it will be given. Forgiven, you will be forgiven. And then there's that marvelous illustration about uh, generosity and, and, and how that looks. I love that. He says, uh, you're going to put it in your lap. And it's going to be overflowing. And, and what they're talking about is the grain when they would purchase it with your robe. They'd put it in and you'd lift it up and then you'd go back and feed your cows and chickens or sheep or whatever you had. And the way of Christ is the way of generosity. Being good to other people. Not necessarily giving them money, but giving them space and giving them grace and giving them kindness. Giving them an opportunity, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Rather than clenching so tight to being right and having it all figured out. We offer a way of generosity because God in Christ has been so generous and so faithful with us. Don't you love that picture? So the question is what? Who needs to be in that shirt with you? Our get-along shirt. I laughed a little bit. My son was in church uh, with his wife at 8 o'clock. My daughter's here with my wife here now. Uh, Justin and Sarah, I thought we should have had that shirt for you guys. Except for the reality that my, our children, Barbara and I children, were raised perfectly in every way. So we never had any, uh, we never had any, any, any issues in our lives. Who needs to be in that get-along shirt with you? Because in the get-along shirt, in the community of faith, we listen to one another instead of judge one another. We hold back from labeling a person 
and putting them into our box because it's convenient for us. They are children of God just like you and me. And so we behold them as that rather than labeling. We don't always have all the answers. We may think we do. And we come across as condescending when we speak simple, pious platitudes into the complicated recesses of life. Sometimes when we back off from being so smart and being right all the time, there's room to be gracious. And sometimes we can put put ourselves in that individual's place. What's it like to sit at Thanksgiving and know that everyone holds a common value system and you don't? What does that mean and how does that look? And how do I get along in that context? What does it mean to be your real self and not some uh, contrived understanding of who you are, but to live a, a transparent life under the cross of Jesus Christ and be real and know that who you are is accepted in community because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And what does it look like to be a friend with no other motive than simply to be a friend? Because in the context of friendship, we share Christ with our words, with our actions, through forgiveness and reconciliation, and with the generosity of spirit to which God calls us. It's amazing to me that everywhere Christians went, they changed the world. There's no greater movement than the one you are a part of in changing the world. The Christians changed the world in every way, shape, or form. And you can take it as simple as art and architecture and as crazy as religion and politics. Education is rooted, rooted in literacy. And it was Christians who invented things like universities and books. So you can argue with me about some of the veracity of the historical stuff, but you're probably going to lose, not to be judgmental. But wherever Christians go, Christians change the world. I think we're in the process of doing that now in North America. And I think the next half a generation, you're going to see that happen. One of the great pieces of our ministry here is our preschool, which went from 124 to 142. 144, but who's counting, huh, Jake? (laughs) We're counting. How we love and care for those little ones and their families We may be on the beginning of a very large run of sharing Christ with people here in the city of Orange in central Orange County. Wouldn't that be great if they found the same Jesus and the same love that we did and that over the course of time of following Christ, they found a value system that worked and that left them peace in their soul and a marvelous sense of community with people who forgave, loved, and were generous. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for an opportunity to be together today and for your grace. We ask your blessing upon us as we live and breathe and have our being here in our own context. Lord, the the marvelous picture of the children in the shirt, who's that person? Where are they at? How do we listen? How do we know when the moment's right? You bless us with that. Challenge us with that. Allow us to put the forgiveness and the grace that we know in Jesus 
in action as we share Christ in home and family, in friendships, where we do recreation, in our schools, and in our communities. This we ask in Jesus' name.